You guys are welcome, Luke. All right. Thank you, Shaul. And um, Shaul has the, I don't know whether you've ever seen Shaul's handwriting, but it's the most incredibly small handwriting in the world. So one line of his handwriting is like a page of my text, which I think is the situation that we were all in um, during, uh, on Tuesday night. I can see my mum has um, her phone on and the, the light is just shining in my, my face. Thank you. Thank you, mum. If you could, uh, wouldn't mind putting that away. Good to have you, though. All right. <laughs> okay, we are in the uh, third and final stretch of the sermon today, and we um, have heard about the grace for service from Andrew, uh, the power for service from Charles, and now we're going to turn to the glory of service and look at this last part of the passage, verse 11. In order that in everything God may be glorified, through Jesus Christ. And the big question that we, we look at as we look at this verse is, how do we serve in a way that gives God glory? And the big problem with this question is the word glory. Because what the heck is God's glory? And I was thinking it would be quite nice to look at this passage and just jump neatly over the word glory And let's just nod and agree that we all know what it is. But then it turns out that it's mentioned a few times in the Bible. In fact, 275 times and 50 times in the Psalms. So it seems like it's a a big theme that in order for us to really get to grips with what it is to serve and glorify God, we're going to need to get a little bit more familiar with this word glory. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know how I would define glory, you are not alone Um, Some of you guys would have heard of John Piper. He's a well-known theologian, author, speaker. And he says that defining the glory of God is impossible, which is a relief for us. But he he says that the the defining the the word glory is impossible because it's, it's similar to the word beauty. And beauty is really hard to define too. If you were to get people in a room and tried to together define the word beauty, I think what you'd, you'd do is you'd point to lots of things that are beautiful. You'd point to her, or you'd point to him, or you'd point to that, and you'd say, okay, that gives me a good set together. That, gives, that's, that is beauty. But to put it into words, what is beauty, that's really hard. And it's similar to glory, really hard to define as a word, but there are certain things that point to glory. And In the 10 minutes that I have, I'm not going to talk about the glory of God. I'm going to leave that to some more qualified speakers named Andrew Haslam. (laughs) 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 Sorry, that was not fair. And I I want to point to um, a few signposts that lead us to understanding God's glory. So a few pointers, earth, cloud, and Jesus. So earth. You may, you may know this verse. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And as a Londoner that many of you are, or perhaps you're a transported in Londoner for, for work, you may not relate to this idea 
that London is full of God's glory. As you step out onto Stamford Street and you look at the concrete and the glass and the rain and the cigarette butts and you see Nando's, you may not think (laughs) the whole earth is filled with God's glory. But if you were to take a walk down, I think maybe a couple of kilometers down to Westminster Bridge and stand in the middle of Westminster Bridge during a sunset, and yeah, there's there's tons of, of man-made buildings and, and stuff around. But if you were to see the sunset, the sun and the sky setting, the sky moving from blue to orange to, to red and then into to dusk, there is something awesome about the earth, about creation. And you don't need to be a Christian to even figure this out. You can, we've talked about Netflix already, you can turn on to Netflix and you can see the number of shows that are about planet earth and the one about the ocean. Blue Planet. <laughs> and you can see the David Attenborough shows that are there. And you can see the world, the, everyone is fascinated by the earth and how it works and the processes around that. And as Christians, we look at the, the earth and we think this points us to the glory of God. So that's the earth. Cloud. You may have heard of this term God's Shekinah glory. And this might be a, a term you're familiar with, particularly if you live in, in Peckham or around there where there's a number of churches named after God's Shekinah glory. But what is his Shekinah glory? It's his, it's his immediate, right now, manifest presence. And you see his Shekinah glory in the Old Testament before Jesus gets on the scene. You see um, pillars of cloud and fire and you'll know how God spoke to Moses through the burning bush. God's Shekinah glory, manifest presence, speaking to us live now. And perhaps you think, well, if God spoke to me through a bush, if we could find one in London, we would, I would do anything he was to say to me. And maybe, maybe you would. But... Also, maybe you wouldn't, because if you look at the example of God's people being led by cloud and seeing God's presence tangibly in fire and, and there in a very real way, you'd also see that they rebelled and they complained and they rejected God. They built a calf made of gold and worshipped that. So with, even with God's very manifest presence there, we, we still forget And so those two, nature and cloud, are two kind of external manifestations of God's glory. But God has revealed himself in a much more personal way, in the person of Jesus. And I wanted to take a second and show you what the Bible says on Jesus and how he embodies glory. A few verses. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we have seen his glory. John 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. 1 Corinthians 2. Jesus is referred again to as the Lord of glory. And Hebrews 1 verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus, then, is God's glory personified, fully God, 
fully man, without sin, holy, and glorifies God in his very being. So we have Jesus come in human flesh, glory in human flesh, and now we can work out what it looks like to live lives that glorify God because we're in human flesh too, right? So what did Jesus do? He worked. He worked with his hands as a carpenter. He intervened when a woman who was due to be stoned for adultery, he stopped that. He saw that wine was running out at the wedding in Cana and made new wine. He met with the woman, the Samaritan woman, the outcast woman at the well and showed her love and acceptance. He saw 5,000 hungry people in front of him and fed them. And my favorite, or my least favorite, he washed his disciples' feet. Gritty, dirty feet. Who likes to touch feet? He washed their feet, and he washed the feet of Judas, the disciple who betrayed him. So Jesus served. He served with his whole life. He worked himself to the bone, exhausted physically and mentally. We've heard about how he needed to spend time with the Father. He served until his dying breath, until he said on the cross, it is finished. So I just want to close and help us think about ways to respond to all of the, the strands that have been covered today. And, you know, perhaps, um, perhaps you're, you're sitting here today and you are waiting for the, the glory cloud. Or you're waiting because you don't know what your, your gift is. And you, but actually your heart is very genuine. You really want God to move in power. You want the power of the Holy Spirit to to move in London, in this church. And I think Jesus would say to you, that is a beautiful desire. He says that I am glorified in the ordinary and in the mundane and in the slow plodding of your life. And I am also glorified in the supernatural, in the work of the Holy Spirit, giving gifts to sons and daughters today. Ask and you will receive. Or maybe you're a Christian today and you feel condemned. You feel like you've let God down. You feel like no one knows what I've done. And I, yeah, I am a Christian, but there is no way that, the, that what I've done and what I do in the future could ever possibly glorify God. And that's why I sit at the back. That's why I don't talk to people. That's why I don't open up because I'm feeling condemned. And I think Jesus would say that if you abide in me, you have an eternal, glorious treasure living inside of you that no one can take away. And in fact, I take pleasure in being glorified in your weakness. And he calls us his children that he loves. And he wants us to know and feel and believe that. And finally, perhaps you are a Londoner 
and you are exhausted like Jesus was. You've been working really hard. You've been serving really hard. You've, you're living everything out to the max like every Londoner does, working to the bone. And actually, you've started to realize that you are not living and doing these things in the strength that God provides. And I think Jesus would say to you, surrender. That perfection belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. Strength belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Surrender. So friends, as I I close, my encouragement is for us to serve with the strength that God provides. Amen. Let me, just, let me just pray. Father, thank you that you are a God that knows exactly where we are. You know exactly what we've done. You know our hearts inside out. And you love us. You sent the radiance of a glorious Jesus to model what it is to live out lives that glorify you. Lord, we ask you to help us. Help us be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wanted to lead us into communion as we close, or as we continue in worship, actually. Um, There was one verse I was thinking of that seemed to tie it all together as we come to focus on the, the broken body and the blood of the Lord Jesus, which is in Mark 10. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in thinking and listening and meditating on everything the guys have been saying today, Christ is there for us as the model of what it is we're talking about. In that, you know, so much of when we think about service, we we think of the kind of structural stuff that church is about, being on teams, doing all that kind of stuff. And actually, interestingly, Jesus didn't do any of that stuff. It's not unimportant, but that's not what defined his life. Rather, his entire life, every moment of every day, was lived outwards. And this is such a crucial thing to grasp, that your life is to be useful to the Lord Jesus Christ. That as it says here, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So that your moments and your days, you're in a posture of readiness, empowered by the Spirit to serve as God leads and supplies you to serve. And when you have that kind of life within a church, it's extraordinary what God does. We want to bring our heart and attention to the Lord Jesus Christ himself then, whose whole life of service is epitomized in those moments on the cross, in the giving of himself, the outpouring of himself, his body and his blood toward us. And the amazing truth that in death there's life. And this is how service works, that as you die, you bring life. As you lay down yourself, you bring life. And that is never more true than in the cross. Jesus laid himself down so that we could be raised up, so that we could have life, so that we could experience life abundantly. Will you stand with me? Father, we thank you that you have given us your son. That he embodied your glory but also brought glory to you in the way he lived. And we come to you now, Lord, thinking of all the ways that we are unqualified and weak, but asking, Lord, 
Use us, we pray. Fill us with your spirit afresh. I pray even now you begin to speak. Bring new hope and new ideas. Imagination. Creativity. for The ways that we can offer you our lives and serve others. Bring plans to birth. Bring renewed hope. Teach us, Lord, how to bend everything we're already doing towards your purposes so that our work is for you, our marriages and our raising of children and our singleness is for you so that our home is for you, our money, our food, everything we have is for you. All of it is received as a grace gift from you, Lord. And teach us to bring it all back to the altar. Speak now, I pray. In every mind and heart, just plant imagination. of What we can do to offer you more. To yield everything as yours. To not segment our lives and say, we'll give you this much time in a week. But to say, Jesus, you are Lord over all. Sovereign God, possessor of us because you purchased us with your own body and blood. We're not our own. We were bought with a price. Take our lives, Lord. Take our energy. For your sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.